0: This is Joel Junker, and welcome to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. In this episode, uh, I interviewed Cameron Brooks alumnus uh, Steve Reif, who uh, made the transition in 2014 uh, from uh, the Marine Corps as an infantry officer into uh, the business world. He joined a company called uh, Ellis Stared Bitewise, and it's an interesting company. Uh, They do measuring, uh, metrology, um, which is the science of measuring things, and specifically they use a laser-based uh, system uh, to measure everything from pipes, pipe fittings, to rubber, and a lot of their technology is used in uh, manufacturing tires, for example. Uh, it's a really an interesting podcast because, uh, at least for me, when they first, uh, Bitewise, first came to Cameron Brooks, I never even knew such a company or system even existed. And uh, the other piece that makes it really interesting is that Steve uh, is the operations manager. So he runs all the operations production for the company, and it's a big role. And he describes how he got into that. Uh, and more importantly, what I uh, something that I think that adds a lot of value in this podcast that Steve gets into is being open-minded about the career opportunities when leaving the military. Because if he wasn't, he wouldn't have found a position as an operations manager with Ellis at ByteWise. So I hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: Steve, thank you so much for joining our podcast and helping uh, share the Cameron the Brooks and the JMO journey.
2: Thanks, Joel. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Absolutely. So, um, Steve, since you work for a company that's uh, not as well-known among the JMO community, heck, it wasn't even well-known for me when they first contacted us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Steric Bitewise um, and what they do, um, their their purpose or mission, if you will, and then what your role is with the company?
2: Sure. So Steric Bitewise is part of the LS Steric company, uh, which is a metrology company, and metrology is the science of measuring things. So we make, as part of the Steric company, things from as simple as a ruler or a tape measure to as complicated as what we do at SteriBiteWise, which is laser-based measurement equipment. Um, So what we do is provide real-time measurements for products in order to allow our customers to monitor quality, to reduce their scrap rate, and just improve their profitability in a number of different ways. And my role within BiteWise is I'm the director of operations. So I run the day-to-day operations of the company from engineering to production to service and support to supply chain basically everything in the company other than sales and accounting falls under my purview wow that's a big job steve how long have you been how long have you been
1: um or maybe I should say like what qualified you to do this job leaving the military
2: now that's that's a good a good question because just about about 70% of our employees are school trained engineers or computer science or similar technical degree. And my degree is in political science. So that's actually a really good question. Um, really what, what bite was looking for was somebody that could, you know, keep a lot of, of tasks moving at the same time. And, you know, I guess the good analogy is juggle a lot of balls in the air and know which ones are made of rubber and know which ones are made of glass so that, you know, you, there's a, a ton of tasks that we need to get done and not all of them can get done in the time needed. So it's my job to really uh, make some decisions that are uh, very time critical and to absorb a ton of information and, and make a, a solid decision. I think that's what they were looking for and why they wanted to go with the JMO with somebody who is used to making those time sensitive kind of under pressure decisions. And that's what I think really qualified me for this position. Uh,
1: Steve, tell me- Tell the uh I would like to hear from the, you, the and the listeners, maybe give some background on what you did in the military. Um, just kind of and, and then we could come back in and tie that back into what you learned in the military and how you apply that at uh Steric
2: Bitewise. Sure. So I was in the Marine Corps, uh, I served ten years, um, and I did uh, I was an infantry officer, so I had everything from platoon through rifle company command. Um, you know, some, some operations experience when I was not in a active, um, you know, a, a deployable unit. Um, so, um, for so that, you know, just as an infantry officer for those 10 years.
1: Just an infantry officer. Okay. So you're not an engineer. You're just an infantry officer. Hopefully there's no infantry officers listening to this. <laughs> We're calling them just infantry officers. Right. Tell me, tell me what you, uh, um, how did being an infantry officer prepare you for the
2: role and the responsibilities that you have with your company? So I think, you know, and I guess this, this may not just pertain to being an infantry officer. I think it applies more broadly to just about anybody with a military background, is that you are you get exposed and have to deal with people from a variety of backgrounds, you know, a lot of different upbringings, a lot of different almost cultures from across the United States, and even... You know, for those of us that deploy, dealing with folks overseas and and really being immersed in in foreign cultures, I you know, and that that ability to relate to to people across the spectrum, um, I I think that is that's one of the big assets that that a JMO brings to corporate America is that you're so used to dealing with all these different types of people, and and to to organize them and get them into you know that team mentality of working towards that common goal.
1: What was your, um? what was your, uh, maybe we should take this sequentially. Let's go back to why did you make the decision to get out after 10 years? I mean, you're halfway there, if you will, mm-hmm. to retirement. And I know that shouldn't, I don't believe that should be somebody's goal just to be retirement, um, more of an evolution of your career. But a lot of people look at their career mm-hmm. that way, hey, you're halfway there. How right. did, it was, why did you get Why did you get out and how did you make
2: your decision? So it, it was something that I had been probably thinking about for about three years before I finally made the the leap, if you will. Um yeah, you know, there was a variety of factors. I was tired of moving around a lot. Um, yeah, I guess in my time in the Marine Corps, I moved more frequently than most. I think in in the ten years I did, I think I lived in seven different houses. And I did like five different PCS moves. So, uh, you know, just I wanted to settle down a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I just I had been married for a couple of years and uh, I just had my first child and my son had just been born. And that was really kind of the impetus of, you know, I'm ready to, to slow down to not be deploying all the time to you know, have a little more of a settled lifestyle. Uh, I mean, I, it was I really enjoyed my time in the military. I'm extremely glad that I did it but at the end of the day i was just ready to move on and ready to do something different
1: uh was it a hard decision for you as you got closer well, it
2: took, it, i mean it took me 3 years to finally get there so i would say yeah it yeah you know, I, I really tossed and turned about about the decision making and yeah you know, there was definitely a lot of nervousness especially hey, m- my son had just been born i'm about to quit my job um you know what's happening on the other side how am i going to make a living how am i going to pay for you know, pay for my family and, you know, just have a decent standard of living. So, of course, there was a lot of nervousness and, you know, apprehension. And, you know, there was definitely some fear. In it. And that's not something that, you know, a lot of military people are used to admitting that, hey, I was I was a little bit afraid. Um, but, you know, I was really thankful that I was able to get uh, a lot of good guidance through Cameron Brooks and kind of walk walk people through a scary time in their life because you know with with the military all of your mentors are people that are those you know those people that are aiming towards retirement that have never done this there's there's nobody that you can look towards in the you know your more senior military leaders that oh yeah i I left the military and here's here's some some feedback or some ideas for how you can do that there's no there's no resource there for you to do that um so i think it's it's not uncommon or strange for someone to have that, that apprehension and concern moving into it.
1: It's interesting. You talked about, you even used the word afraid, um, which I think is a great word. And I don't want, and I don't want to diminish um, that at all because uh, I think that there, there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty in a transition, which you're describing. Mm-hmm. But Some people, some people look at the uncertainty, a little different thing than you do. You saw the uncertainty. You go to Cameron Brooks, and you say, okay, I want to, this is going to reduce some of the uncertainty. Be Absolutely. candid with me. Be candid with me. You have to wait till the career conference to start interviewing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to wait to start sending out your resume. How hard was that for you to wait?
2: <laughs> that extremely difficult. Yeah, I was. I guess I was a little bit of a uh, non standard candidate coming through Cameron Brooks because my entire time in the program was three months. Um yeah, you know, I I decided that I was leaving the military in March of twenty fifteen and I was at the career conference in June of twenty fifteen. So it was a you know very fast turn for me through the Cameron Brooks process and the Cameron Brooks program. Um and because I had you know it wasn't a you know a, a long term goal or a long term a long time that I had to prepare, it you know, really forced me to focus. But there, you know, because my date of when I was actually leaving the military was coming up so quickly, there's, it was difficult. And I was, you know, I, I probably called you guys up every other day, hey, what's, what's going on, you know, and it's, and I was consistently reassured. And, you know, I, I felt that I was being very well taken care of and that you, know, you guys have done this before a million times. Don't worry, we're going to get there. And, and it's going to come out well on the other side.
1: What did you, what were your, you get to the conference now? And I think there's gotta Mm -hmm. be, for most people, there's gotta be an element of, boy, Cameron Brooks better deliver. I've been waiting, (laughs) you know, you better deliver. So describe for our listeners, what that was like for you coming to the career conference, starting to get an idea of who you're going to interview with the types of positions and companies and Hey, was it worth your wait? What did you get by waiting? Maybe you invested. If you take a look at those money, you invested, you you put aside that time to and waited. What did you get in return for that?
2: So I I was within driving distance of the conference. I was stationed in North Carolina the conference that I attended was in Charlotte. So it was about a, a three or four hour drive for me and my wife. And that was the longest four hour drive I think I've ever had because there's there's that nervousness that you know, the apprehension, can I am I gonna be successful? But then you know, once I got there, got checked in the hotel and I get the the kit or the the bag that has all the information for the companies that I'm going to be interviewing with, and just seeing some of the names that were at the conference, that a lot of them are, are very recognizable names that you know, anybody that's listening to this would know exactly who they are and you know the type of companies that they are. But then you have kind of those wild cards that you know you, you look at the you know the material that they send or that they give you and like who is the who are these people and you know what why would I want to go to work for these these other companies, I don't know when there's these really solid, you know, long-term huge companies that that I could you know have the opportunity to work with, but just the overall quality. I think I had, I think I had four, 12 or 14 different companies that that I interviewed with, and you know, just top to bottom, they were all very solid opportunities. You know, things that that I would be interested in doing. Looking through the material, there was. I can honestly say there's not a single company that I was able to just write off from the get-go. They were, they all had something interesting, and something that I could at least say, yeah, I could see myself doing this over the long term.
1: Where is, where was, uh, when, where was Bitewise in your first grouping when you looked at it? They may have been one of your wild cards. Yeah, what were you thinking they when were you picked up Bite? What, you, what were you thinking about Bite? Yeah, Bitewise, you pick it up. What are you thinking when it's like? Friday night at the conference and you've got these big Fortune five hundred companies, you've got this company called Bitewise.
2: Yeah, they were admittedly they were in my bottom third to start out with. Because they're I mean, it's just natural. I know, you know, all the all the people with Cameron Brooks, the whole team says, you know, don't start ranking people in your mind. You know, go in all these all your interviews with an open mind. But I think it's just human nature that, you know, you you look at these and, and start evaluating immediately and you start kind of racking and stacking to see where where you think you really want to be and yeah Bitewise definitely was not in in the top tier but I, I quickly learned otherwise why how did they move up what was it that they offered or
1: what was it that you learned and even guys I have so many questions like what would you learn and how did you stay like open to it how did you stay open to Bitewise without to, so you didn't keep it in the bottom third and then what was right. it about Bitewise that you moved it up higher
2: so I guess when, with the two parts that I think you got to look at each each of the interviews separately from the rest. Like I need to win this interview, and you need to take that mentality when you, you know, when you walk into that room each and every time that this is the only one that I've got, and I've got to make it count. Uh, but I think what what really struck me about BiteWise was the the attitude that they have and the, the, what they value. Um, you know, how they saw me fitting into the organization, it's it's a very small division. We only have about 45 employees worldwide. Very, um, you know, you were going to have it, that immediate impact. There's not going to be any hiding behind, you know, other people. There's not, you're not going to be the, you know, the third junior assistant to the regional manager. Like, I knew I was going to be it from day one, that I'm the number two guy in the division, and it's it's time to go. And, you know, that that really drew me because I didn't want to walk into a company and have to um, really, you know, work my way through it, uh, you know, a lot of, and I'm not downplaying the people that are trying to, you know, have that desire to really climb and climb quickly, but I was put into a position of a lot of authority very early. And that, that was one thing that really uh, drew me towards the company
1: you described in the beginning what exactly like laser measuring systems mm-hmm. how do you how do you guys i you took with me through a tour a couple of years ago mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of design was being done than actual manufacturing can you describe what happens at
2: at your site sure so we've got a couple of core products that we have that are not necessarily a a cookie-cutter approach to it, but just a general concept that this is what this system does. And we're going to customize it to the specific customer need, to the specific application, and there's a lot of different parts of the system that we can really fine-tune to get very precise measurements on the the specific application. So like I said just a little bit ago, about 65% of our employees are engineers or other technical fields so you know, our, our production staff the guys that are actually down in the in our production floor turn wrenches is only about 15 percent of the company so it is a very engineering intensive company and it's kind of we set ourselves apart from our competitors through our ability to customize and to really deliver uh, a very high-end and you know, meet these the absolute specification that our customer is looking for.
1: And predominantly, give us some applications that your your laser measuring systems are used in.
2: Sure. So the most common use of our systems is in the tire manufacturing industry. Um pretty much any major tire company in the world that you've heard of is a customer of ours. And the reason that uh that we're very predominant in tire is in that process, there are certain irreversible steps in the in the manufacturing process that once you go through it, it's either pass or fail. And if it's a fail, there's no rework. It's just scrap, you know, shred it. It becomes kind of what you see on kids' playgrounds, little rubber pellets that, that you see. That That's the only other use for it. So we have positioned ourselves to be able to understand and do some predictive analysis before the company goes through that irreversible process. And we can say, stop what you're doing, if you're going to make a bad tire if you continue. And we allow them to reduce their scrap and to improve their quality. Uh, But beyond just tire, uh, we're involved in uh, we call them continuously formed products, which is any any product that can be described as a two dimensional image just made for hundreds or thousands of feet. So one a large market that we also operate in is Automotive seal, so like car door seal or car window seal, uh, that's a big market for us. Uh, PVC, wire, uh, oil and gas pipe, um, you know, a variety of different markets that, we, that we're involved in.
1: You said the oil and gas pipe. Do you guys have anything that can be used for underwater, measuring underwater? Is it all uh, terrestrial it's, type of stuff?
2: It's all in the production process, so what, where okay. the pipe is being made. Um, okay. We're able to, because basically our, our value proposition for the pipe industry is that if you make a bad pipe, that's going to, you know, a lot of the pipe that we measure goes to those undersea applications. It's really bad to find out that your pipe is, is out of spec when it's already out, you know, 500 miles from shore, you know, two miles underneath the water. That's a really inopportune <laughs> time to figure out you made a bunch of bad pipe. So we want to catch right. it at the source <laughs> so they can, you know, improve, you know, have hundred percent quality inspection before that pipe ever leaves the plant.
1: Where do they typically put your system in the production do production lines only have one? Or are there, are uh, there do you have systems on multiple
2: parts of the production line and where do they go? So in in pipe there's generally uh, some plants do one sample, some plants do two. Um there's where where we commonly work in is what's called spiral welding. Um, and our our system will be immediately after the spiral weld, um, so we can check it, so they can make instantaneous adjustments to their system that's welding the uh, that's welding the pipe. And then, commonly, there's also another one in finishing as a final inspection before the pipe uh, leave, after it's cooled and after, before it leaves this, the the uh, plant. But for our tire applications, you know, tire building is a, a a lot more complicated than a lot of people think it is. And we will have multiple systems that will inspect the the tire from you know right after it is extruded into the initial shape that kind of looks like a tire all the way through finishing kind of as a final inspection before it gets shipped out to to a customer. Ah uh, very
1: interesting. Um let's I'd like to go back into the your time in the military and then walk up to this mm-hmm. time on a couple of like lessons learned and things you could share sure. that, people let's let's go to the military and I know you said you had you had from March till July June you said
2: Mm -hmm. what would your
1: advice be to a junior military officer listening to this whether it be Mm -hmm. about Cameron Brooks preparation or the conference what would your
2: advice be talking to yourself Steve Steve two three years (laughs) ago the the biggest mistake that I made was you know Cameron Brooks gives you kind of a list of questions. There's might be 20, 25 questions that, hey, you need to have a prepared answer for this. You know, write it out, kind of bullet point on a note card and practice it, which is really sound advice. But the mistake that I made was I just practiced it in my head, and I never really verbalized it. And two, a lot of times there's going to be a, a disconnect between what you're thinking and what comes out of your mouth. Because I remember the when I had a a sit down with Rob Davis in Fayetteville North Carolina he started asking me some of those questions that I had just i had been rolling over in my head time after time, and that was one of the first times I verbalized it, and when it came out of my mouth I sounded like an absolute idiot, and I recognized I was as soon as I finished my response I was like that was awful, so, the biggest advice I can give to somebody preparing for a conference is get get a voice recorder on your phone a voice recorder app, and actually make yourself say it and then listen back and do that over and over again because you're going to be able to really refine your answers and just have that practice of turning what's in your head to what's coming out of your mouth and really being able to, to talk because that's what's, that's what's going to lead to success at at the, the conference is not only the material that you are you know talking about yourself and your experience in the military, but being able to verbalize that in a compelling story of why they should be interested in you.
1: You've already answered the the question uh, about, I would think about the conference, but just staying mm-hmm. open, taking every interview, mm-hmm. as if it's your only one. What would your advice be to somebody their first year in a company? Or there's a book called The First Ninety Days. What would, mm-hmm. if you were writing the book,
2: the first year, what would your advice be? Hmm. I wow. That's. I guess I would say that you know coming out of the military. You are used to being able to walk into a room. Where everybody's in uniform, and you can see everybody's rank, and you immediately know where you stand in that room, and you know who you have to, who you have to listen to, and who you can tell what to do just by the rank that you're wearing. That all goes away once you hit corporate America. And yeah, there's still there's still a structure there, but it's not always immediately in your face like it is in the military. And you need to be able. Uh, the first 90 it's a ton of listening and that's that's just like it is going checking into a new command in the military but just being able to feel out you know where your place is where you have your authorities where where you need to really be asking for advice where you know just learning your place i think that's that's the biggest hurdle that you need to overcome in the first whether it's 90 or 90 days or the entire first year
1: how did you find your place I mean, you had a big
2: place, right? I, right. And, it, and yeah, you know, there was a little bit of you know, concern by some of the folks that, that worked for me because I wasn't an engineer, because I didn't have that technical background. And that's, you know, being able to spend sit down, spend some time with them, understand what they do, obviously not in the same detail that, that they do. Some of the guys I work with are absolute geniuses. But showing that, that understanding and being willing to spend some time and then, you know being able to ask legitimate questions to them and that being able to show that understanding you know that's going to earn the respect and then being able to explain the why behind the decisions that you're making it's it's no longer you know a junior marine this is what you're going to do it's you know they they teach you the military and that it, it translates very well to corporate america here's what you're going to do and this is why and you know translating that that commander's intent piece which in, in many cases is often lacking in a lot of corporate America, but taking that, that type of mentality, the why and the commander's intent and bringing that with you from the military into corporate America is going to set you up for success.
1: A couple of questions, just a, my, my, standard wrap up questions. And then okay. you can run off on any other things that you want to share. Best advice that you've ever received.
2: Ooh, wow, that's that's a tough one. Um, I would probably say it's it's never the wrong time to keep your mouth shut. That <laughs> you know that you know as as a military officer, you are taught to be assertive, and it's and it's it's a good thing, but also you know be very careful with your words and. Under, you know, think it through before it comes out of your mouth, that you always want to be able to justify what you're saying and look back on it and say, I did the right thing and, and I have made the right call. So, you know, I guess probably another thing, maybe if I could switch it up a little bit, is never make a decision before it's time. You know, don't rush into things. Make sure you've thought things through all the way and that, that you understand the consequences and, you know, the risks that, that are about to be become apparent with the decision that you're making.
1: Very interesting. That's good.
2: Have you read any good books lately that you'd like to pass along to to the listeners? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the the last one that I, I – I'll, I'll admit I've got about an hour-long commute each way, so I don't really read books. I listen to books. Um, I just got done with The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. Um, I guess I would have a little bit of mixed reviews on that. Definitely some good things that it's you know, if you listen to it before you get into work – you know, you feel super motivated and want to, you know, go conquer the world. Um, but, you know, I think there was also some, some things that I didn't necessarily agree with from that, from his, uh, what he was trying to portray. But, you know, I guess that's the last book that I read. So that's what comes yeah, to Yeah, it's mind. interesting. I've had other people talk about the book. Nobody's given me a critical review. I think the
1: premise of the idea is is really good, though. I try to keep that in mind even here at Cameron Brooks. I've got this goal. I can't 10X my my effort towards my goal. I can't do that. But it does give me a mental model of what could I do extra right right now yeah. to help try to reach the goal. What's one or two extra things I could do today or in this moment to help Absolutely. us reach our objective and our goal? Absolutely. I,
2: I guess I would I'd 100% agree with that. But my my critical nature of his book is I don't think he really – distinguishes between a measure of performance and a measure of effectiveness. Yes. Do. Yes. Do as much as you can. But if you're doing the wrong things and just repeating that and doing as many of the wrong things as possible, that's not going to get you where you need to go. Maybe step back, take a more critical look at it, and then make sure that you're doing the right things to get to that goal.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That's a good point.
2: Um, well, Steve,
1: you've been fantastic. I've learned a ton about, uh, laser measurement systems and um i was telling the team today i was going to do a podcast with you today and you're mm-hmm. we talking about i think the value of what we offer at cameron brooks and you just don't know what you don't know that's out there until you get out there and start doing some interviewing yep. and um i never even knew that there was a company out there making laser laser measurement systems for making tires like right. who knew right that there had to be a business <laughs> I like certainly that. and there's I know. And the thing is, is that it's not just like, Oh, that's just a one-off. Oh, no, there's thousands of companies like this. Yep. That Absolutely. you just, they fulfill some sort of niche that you'd never thought of before. It's crazy. Right. Well, Steve, thank you for so much for being on, especially on the late hour. We're recording this on a Friday at 6:15 Eastern time. Uh, So I want to get you back and starting your weekend. And thanks again for being a part of this. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Joel. Hey, Steve, stay on. I will. All right. Thanks so much. I really, we're still recording, but thank you so much for doing this, especially late on a Friday and squeezing us in. And and, uh, I'm going to be in Columbus in uh, July. Maybe I can grab a quick breakfast with you. I'm not going to be around for very long. Uh, just making a one-day I'd, visit. I'd absolutely
2: love to sit down with you and catch up.
1: That'd be great. I'll let you know as we get as I get closer, the dates and stuff like that. But we can have breakfast. Um, Perfect. And then uh, catch up a little bit and see how you're doing. Okay. Thanks so much, Joel. All right. Have a good weekend, Steve. All right. You too. Okay. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cameron Brooks podcast. Uh, To learn more about Cameron Brooks, the transition, recommend uh, visiting our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. We have a learning library where you can create a username and password and explore a lot of other uh, resources, uh, recorded webcasts we have on different career fields, interviewing techniques. Also, we have a book, uh, PCS to Corporate America, uh, the fourth edition, which you can order from Amazon. Of course, you can always reach out to us directly. Uh, You can reach me at uh, jjunker at cameron-brooks.com or you can even just email candidates at cameron-brooks.com. Thank you again.